You're listening to the MLS Fantasy Insider, bringing you weekly tips, tricks, and advice for the official MLS Fantasy game. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the MLS Fantasy Insider, our recap of the 2021 fantasy season. This episode is brought to you by... Winning at TQL Stadium, at least someone local finally did it. Uh, uh, no, 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 sorry, sorry. Uh, actually, brought to you by the amazing Patreon supporters of MLS Fantasy Insider and MLSFantasyBoss.com. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLS Fantasy Boss, and tonight I'm joined by our co-hosts, my partners in fantasy, if you will, Blaine Riffle and Ashley Savage. We'd also like to welcome our special round table of fantasy guests, Skylar Redpath from MLS, Tyler Norman from Discord, and Ryan Anderson, aka MLS Fantasy Stats on Twitter. How is everyone doing tonight? I'm pretty doing good. well. Happy to be here. Yeah. One, one I, last hurrah. Yeah. I can you finally talk again. Time, Blaine? Yeah, I'm going last this time. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to have it all. Just come full circle. Uh, well, great. Thanks for coming and joining us guys tonight. Uh, for those of you who may be listening for the first time, uh, every year we have a recap episode here with MLS Fantasy Insider where we get uh, a small group of, of people who come on to talk about our general reactions to the 2021 season. There is a survey that I sent out. The easiest way to get that, I mean, it's been on Discord, it's been on Twitter, but if you head over to MLSFantasyBoss.com right now, it's one of, if not the top article, and you can fill out to provide your feedback. Uh, one, about the official game, because uh, Skylar is going to make sure that gets to MLS so that they can see feedback directly from the players, but also it gives you a chance to provide some feedback to me and the MLS Fantasy Insider team about the, the product that we produce and the articles and Discord and everything that's out there, part of the MLS Fantasy Boss Network. So uh, anybody who wants to go in still and complete that, really appreciate it. It helps a lot because we want to try to produce content that you want to listen to. So, uh, yeah, let's let's do a little bit. I know we've seen all of these guys on the show at least once throughout the season, but just before we go any further, I want to talk about the credentials of the people who we have with us tonight. Everybody is a is a top fantasy player. Of course, we have uh, Skyler, one of the, the greats of fantasy of all time, overall ranked this year, 36, 2,482 points. We also have Tyler uh, from our Discord channel. If you are over there hearing about the, the big... Uh, compendium of injuries and call-ups and all that. That is uh, something that Tyler has spent a lot of work on this year. Overall rank for him, 41, 2,477 points. And he has a note that says he had a bad last week. And I know he's particularly grumpy about second assists. And then finally, we have uh, Ryan, who is with us frequently in the chat. And also you see him on Twitter, MLS Fantasy Stats. Overall rank, 9, 2,538 points he stands atop of us all here on the show so that's who we have talking tonight and of course the three of us from mls fantasy insider who are who we're joining with you pretty much every monday ish throughout the season um but yeah this is who we have talking about the season and i want to first first let's just get this out of the way because sometimes it's up in the air but we've got skylar here so can we expect to maybe see a game in 2022 
You got to put me on the spot right off the, the top big line. question. It's the big. I mean, if the answer is no, it's like, well, thank you so much for listening. And right. I'm out, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm the egg. I'm on the podcast um, done. Yeah. Right. Let's get the drum roll going. Um, but no, yeah, we uh, definitely can confirm that we're going to have a game in 2022. Um, spoken briefly with uh, the director of digital experience, Cole Slutton, and he's actually a, a fan of the podcast. He's He's checked it out. He said he's listening a couple of times um, and a big fan of just MLS fantasy in general. And so, yeah, everybody can, uh, can breathe a collective sigh of relief that we will be having a game again next season. So good to go there. And of course the fun question that is always accompanying con- confirmation that there will be a game is, but what's going to change? So before we get there, I know that's been a great part uh, people have submitted their feedback with the survey about what they didn't like and did like and what they might hope for changes. Some are way out there. Some are, are pretty reasonable. Uh, but first, let's just talk. Uh, we had a few changes to the game this year. Very minor, very minor, mostly in how calculations were made with, with player values and, and changes and things like that. Um, but uh, we had a few changes this year. What could we expect to see? Sorry, I'm butchering this question. Let's start over Reed. Um, I want to say that we had a few changes and the biggest of those changes were we had two longtime MLS employees leave who have been very passionate about, about fantasy. We had Ben Bear who left during uh, the downsizing. And then we had uh, James Ballow who left us for another opportunity. And so uh, definitely think about those guys and all the hard work and want to say thank you to them for everything they did. Uh, but besides them leaving and some of the minor changes, we'll start out with you, Skylar, just open form after that. Uh, how pleased were you with the game this year and its overall success? Sure. I mean, yeah, I think um, overall, I think the game was, I'd consider it a success. Um, definitely some obstacles, like you mentioned with Ben Bear and James Balogon. I mean, they both played a, a big part in driving the game and, and kind of keeping the ship afloat, so to speak. Um, and so once it was clear that they were moving on, then MLS was pretty quick to reach out to me. And, and I assumed a little bit more responsibility as far as just like the gameplay and, and game oversight and that kind of thing. And I mean, yeah, it was definitely a, a bit of a transition with all that happening in season. Um, but both Ben and James, I mean, they were they kind of helped set me up to where it was a pretty smooth passing of the torch, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just talking to some of the guys at MLS, Cole and, and um, some of the other guys, I think they're pleased with how the season played out. Um, on the same note, I'd probably say, you know, I think the league does recognize that there's room for improvement and we want to generate some of that excitement and some more participation just around the game in general. And so, you know, feedback from the community is welcome. Um, just like you're doing with the survey. I mean, all that stuff is, is great information. And I'm looking forward to, to kind of bouncing some ideas off of the team and, and seeing how we can continue to grow the game and, and just the product across the board. So um, I'm, I'm happy with the way things played out. And, uh, you know, hopefully everybody else is, is in the same boat. Yeah, open forum to everybody else here. Feel free to jump in. Uh, what did you all think about uh, just, just your general general takeaways, right? Season's freshly over. What do you think of it? I mean, I'll jump in, and I know we had James for part of the season, and then Skyler took over, but I just love how accessible MLS was to us this year, especially through Discord. It was a little bit more of a private channel to them, but we're public on Twitter. We were offering to let people tweet at us, and we would relay the information, and we did on multiple occasions, 
And I just, I love that accountability. And with Skyler here, we want to say a big thank you. Another big thank you to James, who's not with us anymore on this. He's still around Discord. I think he still plays a little bit. But uh, just a big thank you to the MLS side for reaching out or being available to us and letting us give mm -hmm. some feedback. I think that's been huge. Uh, player updates throughout the year as players weren't added on time or got missed in the system or didn't get transferred teams when they actually transferred teams in MLS in the app. It was just, there were, there were some technical glitches on the back end, which I is, I know somewhat out of MLS's control, but the, re, the, the availability to get those corrected quickly was there most of the time. And we appreciate that as fans and players. And I just appreciate, uh, that's one of the big takeaways I had from this year. Otherwise I thought the game went really well. Um, I don't like the variable uh, team budget. I want, I like it fixed myself, but I think going into it this year, knowing how the player prices changed, we, we couldn't game the system quite so much. Everybody was on a more level playing field this year. So mm -hmm. even though that's not my preferred way to play, I think it went a whole lot smoother to start the season this year because everybody knew what to expect and everybody was kind of able to game the system in the same manner and try to increase their team value roughly comparable to each other rather than a few people getting lucky, finding out what the system is going to do and then being able to exploit it for massive gains early on. So mm -hmm. I, I think it was, I think that rule is better the way now that we know what's going on. And I think it's going to be more competitive going forward. Not my preferred, but I'm okay with it. And I think next year we'll see a lot less variance in those top teams to start the season. Cause I think we've all figured out how to make that work going forward. Anybody else? Does everybody agree? I don't agree with fixed budgets, but I'll agree with most of the things. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into some of the nitty gritties for, for disagreements, but just in general, we're, we're happy. Yeah, big time. Yeah. 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 And I'll just add to, I mean, the, like to echo what uh, Blaine said, I mean, the, the, the Discord community, just the community in general was super helpful um, for me, especially, I mean, just reaching out and saying, hey, you know, um, this guy's uh, switched teams and, you know, just anything that, that might have been missed along the way. Um, people were just willing to jump in and help out. And that was much appreciated. I mean, definitely helped uh, just throughout the season. I mean, helped kind of keep things moving and that was huge. So I think that just kind of speaks volumes of, of uh, the community and just everybody out there willing to, to help one another out. Not just, you know, obviously everybody wants to win and, and do well, but at the same time, people are willing to jump in and just uh, keep things moving. So that was really cool. Yeah, and it is a really, a really great group. I know we had some probably lower numbers this year than we have in the past, and that's just to kind of be expected. I think a lot of this was a rebuilding year for MLS. Uh, I know people will, we had a lot of feedback about advertising, a lot of feedback about team involvement. And I think, again, this was sort of almost restarting a lot of efforts after the big COVID hit from, from 2020. And so it, it's understandable somehow fantasy might have been a little bit lower on the priority, but still I was really happy with the implementation of the champions league. I know we got a, just a little taste of that last year, but to really see it play out in the full season, I thought was great. I thought that went a long way to making it approachable to people at any point of the game. I, mm -hmm. I liked that element where we had the two season formats. I thought that was a good way to try to make it approachable, but splitting up into four chunks made it even more so of how if you hadn't, if you missed the start, you could jump into the quarter, the third, the fourth, and still have some level of competitiveness. Um, we'll get more into to budgets and values later on, but, but I really thought that worked well with the Champions League and was happy to see people uh, respond well to it in the survey 
that we sent out. But yeah, in general, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I tend to enjoy it regardless of what's going on. I just kind of roll with the waves and the changes and I kind of find uh, fun in, in all of that. Uh, but no, I really did think this this went smooth and I, I was glad this was a year that had very few changes so we could really get a good taste of this provider, this system and decide mm-hmm. where we need to go to from there. Uh, well, let's talk about some, we'll get into the specifics in just a second, but just in, in general, real quick, any like high level, what would you like to see change for 2022 for anybody? Ryan, I know you've got a laundry list, uh, which <laughs> I, I was really novel. happy to, I was happy, no, I was happy to go through that. Uh, but just uh, <laughs> like some, some general, just things of like one thing that you really hope to see change for 2022. I would love to, I really like the fixed budget. Like I'm okay with the price value variations, but I'm like really I really like the fixed budget. Maybe it's because I I'm the differential guy. I love differentials and I'm good at finding those out of nowhere. But yeah, I I personally would prefer the fixed budget next season. You're like the opposite of me. I'm the uh I I I like fixed budget, but that's more just because uh I tend to primarily stick with chalk like the entire entire year. <laughs> and it worked out for me this year. So <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> the reason why they're, why some of them are so good. I mean, I know one thing for me is, is I think this probably touches on a lot of what I, like I was in the same mindset of you in, in a lot of ways, Ryan, is uh, sort of the, the UI interface for some of the data of, of mm-hmm. a, I've wanted this for years because it was in an older version of the MLS fantasy game, like a dashboard. Mm-hmm. And when you log in to be able to see the, like some of the, the top performing leagues, some of the top performing players, the fantasy players, captain picks and things like that. Just a di- nice little dashboard of, of some information that when you first see it, I, I really would love to see like a little splash dashboard when we first came in to help make some of that. Uh, and even score touching on, I know some of the things you talked about, Ryan, the, top 100 team average top 1000 team average things like that i think could be cool Ownership, little, yeah yeah little little bits places like that on a, on a little dashboard uh, but that's something i would love to see which i think is very provider based and maybe not something easily done mm-hmm. from from mls but but that's something i would i would love to see i always think of that when we, when we talk during the week too and i know this it's kind of a, something that you're briefly saying but i know it would be probably very difficult from an interface perspective but i would love when you do that owned by um to have a an additional like detail to that if that makes sense because you're right like i'm not trying to just copy what everybody else is doing but that particular stat is like the most incorrect stat i feel like right like there were times when walker Zimmerman was like a red and he was still the quote most owned player and obviously some of us mess with that. Like I think a lot of us picked up Ico Parra as a scrub for a good part of the year. So like he's highly owned, but that's not real. But you know, again, I know it would be hard because you'd have to have a there's way those, to realize the dead teams. Yeah. Yeah. The dead teams mess it up or just that people- would be the big, that's the big factor right now, I think is dead yeah. teams um, in that side of things. So yeah. yeah. And, and again, I know asking for that is probably impossible and I'm, I'm content to not have it, but I would love to see a, a version of owned percent owned by in a, in a more accurate reflection of people who are still playing or, or like you said, mm-hmm. we like top 10 teams or, you know, 
people have already qualified for Champions League or some, something that might be easier to, to calculate. Um, I don't know if people who do place in top teams would love that because, you know, it kind of shows your hand if you, if you have to lock a team early or whatever. Um, but just generally, that's a, that's a stat that um, I feel like had been more accurate before, but maybe we just got a lot of dead teams this year. Or, or yeah. I'm not sure, but it's something been- along that would be great. Yeah, I think without making too many wholesale changes, just changing that from percentage owned to like a percentage change in rostered in the rostered set. I know NFL does that a lot. You mean like dropped on, or added? Like, yeah, dropped or added. Just do it a percentage added. And if they go from being on a hundred thousand or we got what? If they're on a thousand teams and we've got ten thousand players in there, yeah, that immediately jumps to six thousand teams. Mm-hmm. Know there's been a big jump. If that jumps to a thousand teams and we're only got a thousand active players, yeah. we can still see that it's basically doubled in ownership. Yeah, EPL does that too, right? You know, most transfers in, in yeah. transfers out. Yeah, in and out, and we don't necessarily need an out because we're changing everything every week. It's just where are they coming in from, and and go from there. Yeah, I think there's ways we can do that. Um, I could see just my computer background comes in says active rosters that have made a change this week you have to register a submit and it's just a flag on the account true or false have you made a change on your roster this week if that's true we run all of our calculations only on what rosters say true now if you wait till saturday with kickoff to make any changes of course you're going to be sitting flagged false but that's going to change your numbers but the closer you get to kickoff the more accurate that's going to be but that's just a quick flag on every account have they made Mm -hmm. a change this week and submitted it and then we can only calculate those percent owned by four active teams that have made a change this week. It at least gives you something. It gives you kind of a rough estimate. It won't be everybody who owns them, but if they're not making changes, then what does it matter? Yeah. And we'll, we'll hit some of, we'll just, let's just jump right into the actual survey feedback now, because we're starting to touch on some of these issues and I want to, I want to dig down into some of these questions I think I have one more. Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. Just my big one, I think, um, that is more of a game changer than it is a tweak, which is what a lot of what I sent was. Um, And that is a lot of people have asked some of us who have hit more of the top positions how the heck we do it. And honestly, the switcheroo is a primary strategy. It's one of the biggest strategies that we use, I think. And... Um, or at least one of the more effective ones. And I know that there are some fantasy sports that do like best ball or um, something like that, where you just kind of set a lineup and then you just kind of get the best scores out of it. And I know that a lot of people are opposed to that because uh, it doesn't take as much strategy as much as it is just picking players who might go off, you know, Um what I propose is that we would build in the switcheroo into the mechanics of the game in that right now we have to find scrub players. It, 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 the switcheroo I think was intended to be a, or it was built off of the mechanism to say, well, if you aren't able to look at your team and see, let's say somebody doesn't start and then the player subs in. Um, But I think that it's a unique aspect of this game that we could really lean into to say, this is something that I don't see in any other fantasy sports out there. You can 
so maybe that select a player and call them a scrub or come up with some other name. I don't know what other name we would come up with, but call them a scrub, basically designate a player as a scrub that if you so choose, um, you can have it, um, it, it as long as they have not played yet, you can keep that flag on them as a scrub player, which will be subbed out up until, um, or if, if somebody on the bench has, uh, has a, you know, the, the scores that you want. So I, it's just, it, it's a unique feature and it's a strategy that anybody who's a top player uses. And so what I think is let's make it accessible. Let's, let's make it something that's built into the game itself. And let's make it accessible to everyone in the game as a, this is how to use this strategy. And we're making it really easy for you to use so that you don't have to go and find four and a half million scrub players to throw in your team and hope that they don't end up in the starting 11 somehow because <laughs> of four injuries on the team. Um, so that's my idea is let's, let's take the switcheroo from being a gimmick and turn it into an actual strategy. That would be a thought. So Ryan, if I'm hearing you, I, I like what you're saying. Um, since the two most common, the switcheroo and the otter reel, Mm-hmm. Just for kind of something functional that may work. We either put three guys on the bench that are competing for two spots and we take the best scores off of that. That's usually a little less budget intensive to do that. Yep. Could the mechanic be something or the like, let me finish that thought. The other one is you put two scrubs in with two guys on the bench. And if you don't like them, you switch out your scrubs. Makes sense as well it's a little more budget intensive to have the backups ready to go in. You got to leave enough money for those. What if the scrubs weren't scrubs? What if they were just empty roster spots? You leave two holes on your roster that you don't even have to pick a player for. They're just there. And you put a couple of guys, you either put three guys on your bench and you say, I'm taking the best two, or you put two guys on your bench, but then you're responsible for manually putting, replacing the two guys in your lineup. If mm-hmm. you don't like them, that's yeah. just that's real easy. Then you're dealing with just black jerseys, nobody there. It's an empty spot, and you've got you can do it one. You can put two or three guys on your bench. If you put two guys on your bench, you're saving a whole lot of budget to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. If you put three guys on your bench, you're hedging your bets a little bit. You're spreading out your money on your bench, but you don't have any of this manual stuff to do later, like something like that for just a functional analysis of what you're talking about. Yeah, so my my other thought would be, let's say you have uh, a player that you could designate as a scrub and and basically it'd be grayed out then, as in this player is still on your team and he would cost this amount of money. Um, For me, I I oftentimes forget which players that I'd want to put in in place of a scrub. So that's why it's like, oh, that'd be helpful if I could actually remember and just designate them as such. Um, But the... um, the other thing that I thought of would be uh, putting in a, a, a an empty spot that would be worth like the four million or whatever else like that that, that we would expect a scrub to cost uh, normally, and so it still costs you money to do this strategy. Then it still costs you budget to do the strategy, uh, but it doesn't. Um, I like. Yeah, but it takes away some of the variability. Yeah, I think so you have to there's have, a few have different have options, a, but you have to yeah. have a cost to it. I mean, if you had a, yeah. a blank player that maybe was the average of the top players of that position or 10 million, like you have to have to pay for that ability. That, that could exactly. be, that, yeah, could, that be, could be, a, I think, a really right, easy way you're to open do that. Up, well, you're opening up a crazy line of thinking here. What if the bench is completely optional in the next game? 
what if we get 11 starters and you can pay that 4 million bait floor? Because that's not and- soccer, right? The point, the point of the bench is to emulate what you do in soccer. Not yeah, even that's not the point of fantasy games. games. But that's not the point of a fantasy game. And yeah, The so point what- of a fantasy game is to get points for the players that play in the real game. If know, you make the fantasy wait. completely different, you cannot take a bench weight. No, I'm, you're, you no, can't. No, I'm, not taking it, I'm not taking it a completely <laughs> way. I'm saying, what if it's optional? What if you want to put $100 million on the field in your 11, no switcheroos, no scrubs, no nothing. You take 11 guys, you play them. That's the risk you take. If somebody doesn't play, nobody's subbing in. So let's change it up real quick. Let's change it real quick. We'll get Skyler's quick reaction to just some of this crazy tangent here and then see if he's got any any other thoughts before we move on. Yeah, no, I mean, it's all – like, I I appreciate that feedback, and I definitely see where um, Ryan's going with it. Um, I just, you know, wholesale changes. That's such a tough, tough thing. I mean, especially with the resources that MLS has right now, I just, and I think that that's something that they would definitely at least hear out and consider. I just, I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, but I see where you're going with it. And I I do agree that that's a huge part of the game is the switcher and otteru. And that's really what separates some of the top players, like you said. So finding a way to kind of find some middle ground there would definitely be helpful for some of the casuals. Um, I think for me, some, a few of the things and some of it, like you said, Reed will hit on um, just, but some, some easy things I think would be like just promoting the game, you know, opening the game up maybe a a month, at least a month before the first game of the season. Mm. Um, I think that's key in driving interest and, and obviously for numbers, that kind of thing. And two, I've heard a lot of people just asking what's going on with the social media stuff. Like there's the Twitter handle has been dead for <laughs> whatever, over a year now. Yeah. And I think at uh, some point and they just did away with it and said that we're not going to, you know, we don't want to um, have that as just part of our uh, social media handles across MLS. Um, and I've actually vouched for bringing it back um, and I'm going to keep pushing for that. And I think, cause I, I do think that that's a huge part of, just interacting with the community, driving the game, um, promoting the game. I mean, I, I feel like that's a, a key part. I and mean, you see it with fantasy Premier League. You see it with pretty much any fan- successful fantasy league. They've got a social media presence. And so I do feel like that that's um, a big part of uh, – or it would be a big part of MLS fantasy if we could bring it back. Um, and then the, the last thing I think that I would want to see maybe a change in 2022, which – can't guarantee anything, but I'll push for it is just up the ante on the prizes, kind of sweeten the pot a little bit. Um, this is coming from somebody that won some of the VIP trips back in the day, uh, drank a beer with Wando on the, on the bus back to the hotel. I'm sure everybody's te- heard that story by now. Um, but no, I mean, the, there used to be autographed all-star balls, uh, team jerseys, stuff like that. Just stuff that I think fantasy players would be a little bit more intrigued by. Um, not to say, you know, the cash prizes aren't aren't uh, attractive, but just a little bit something to kind of to sweeten the the pot and, and draw players in a little bit more. Yeah, would, that that definitely touches. Go ahead. Thank you, Skylar. I, I was going <laughs> to say, would you have any say on like having the actual MLS tweet at least one thing out to be like, hey, we have a fantasy game. This is where you go. To it. <laughs> I think what we've seen in the in, at least the past couple of years is um, they hype it up early on, you know, obviously trying to drive numbers, um, get, get some signups early in the season. Then it just tails off and there's nothing. 
Um, they used to actually tweet out uh, the fantasy rankings. They didn't do it this season. Not sure if I'm telling off a little bit on my rankings or what I felt like they were all right, but um, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I don't know if I had that kind of pull, but I do. Uh, I do want to push just that they bring back the social in general and just try to um, engage a little bit more with the with the fantasy players and the fantasy community. I think that that's that would be uh, a big part of of the game. So I'm going to push for it, guys. We'll see. Yeah. Otherwise, I they can just it. retweet MLSFI each week, and then there we go. Yeah. yeah I want to see a yeah. contract writer that every public facing MLS staffer has to maintain a fantasy team. No. And it could be <laughs> calling out Weeby here or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only 15 minutes on a Friday. Just, or a Wednesday. Just 15 minutes, set some players that you know are gonna play, set the time aside every every week and just set a lineup. It doesn't matter if it's all that good, but you know who's playing, you should know the matchups. 15 minutes, you can set a lineup, and that's better than what we're getting now at times. You just you just found some job for an intern for for a little bit. That's all it's going to be. It's one guy's or gal's going to sit there and just but, be like, would the uh, intern do better than we be picking a team? Because if yes. it would, it's an yes. improvement. Yes. Yes. All right, well, let's start getting down into this survey. Thank you so much for everyone who's responded so far. We have about 80 respondents. Uh, if you're just tuning into the show, uh, please do head over to MLSFantasyBoss.com. You can participate in the survey right there. Results are going to go to MLS, so your feedback will go to the people who make the decisions about this game. And they also come to me for how we make decisions for what we're making with uh, MLS Fantasy Boss and MLS Fantasy Insider. First, some general just takeaways from the survey that we have told you about 80 people uh, most of our respondents uh, came from people who have played the game before so not a lot of new people have been taking this uh, are u.s based consider themselves hardcore players and i define that in the survey as someone who is i'm here to win and score as many points as i can every round that was what i defined as hardcore for somebody's right um that most people don't participate in daily fantasy betting who have taken our survey. They have said that they watch more MLS games because of fantasy. They hate the app is the general feedback there. Uh, they think there should be more marketing for the game. So we're not going to touch on some of these things because that's, we get it. The app is not great. The marketing is not great. We get it. Uh, and also that uh, as far as some of the changes that happened this year, as far as how team values change and how player price adjustments were made, those were overwhelmingly people were satisfied. They either marked as satisfied or very satisfied with how those systems worked. Now, if we keep this type of fixed budget or not fixed budget, we'll talk about that in a second. But the way values changed and price adjustments happened, people were very satisfied with that so that's some of the just surface level general these are the type of people who have taken the survey this is the type of of respondents who have given us uh the data that we're going to be talking about today so one of the big topics of feedback that we got from people double game week scoring that was a, a new change and the big question is should mls bring back the aggregate double game week scoring of course uh, this year, it was you got the highest of the two games. Um, is this going to have an impact on player selection? Is it going to make D mids more valuable? These are all things that people were talking about. Tyler, do you want to start us off? And anybody else, feel free to jump in. Uh, yeah, it definitely should be brought back. <laughs> um, that is opinion. But uh, <laughs> I absolutely love the 
the like com aggregate DGW because there's so much variations of how high someone can score versus how low someone can score. And it also, it, it brings back the demons, like the Ozzy Lanzas, the Diego Charas, the Alex Rings. Like those guys were very, very rarely on anybody's team this season or last season when we were doing it. But like, they're basically dead players at that point. But now we, if we have the um, aggregate scoring, I personally usually have like at least one of those players. And then I grab more boom players after that. Um, and I, I think it actually does open up like a wide variety of different players you can grab. It just makes the captain pick really chalky though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I also love, the combined double gaming feature. I think that one of the things that made me miss it the most this year, I, I, I was fine with it last year, but of course, every time I had someone who went off twice, I was like, oh, if only. Um, but one thing about this year that made me really miss it was just how many double game weeks we had, right? Like the way that they, they structured some of the scheduling, they just felt like there were so many more. Um, and I might be off. Someone can go back and look over the last couple of seasons and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like it helped with, am I wrong? Did you say so I, I can do that. that you can't help. <laughs> uh, um, I, I just feel like it kind of made it more interesting, which might sound kind of productive because if you pick a chalky player that normally plays both games, obviously you want both those points. Like, you know, some of the weeks we did Barco's, um, some of the Philly players, stuff like that. But I think that it just kind of helps with the rotation um, in the sense that you don't have to focus solely. I mean, Discord would go crazy, you know, if Heel was on the bench on a double. Like, what do you do? Do you play him, do you not? Do you play him, do you not? And I think that kind of tinkering goes away when it's combined, if that makes sense. Um, and that was just an aspect of double gamings that I, that I don't like. I don't like having to, you know, look at the lineup and be like, well, it's not worth one game. And again, maybe that's what I'm talking about is strategy other people like, but um, this week made me this week, this season made me miss the combined double game week. Um, and double game weeks are rare across other fantasy leagues. I mean, it, it, it hardly exists, um, but it is one of the things that I think makes, MLS fantasy unique um and so it just makes me kind of miss the even more unique part which was the combined play yeah. the, the biggest downside is single game week players are like dead with with mm -hmm. the new double game week uh or the old w, double game week scoring yeah so so I'll, okay. I'll own up to that one because I know I was a big proponent of moving to this system because I felt that it would increase the viable pool of players to be able to have some of those single game players for the exact strategic elements you're talking about, Ashley, of what one game do I want? Because we always see it, no matter which system that we have in place, there's always a single game player who makes it into the dream team. There's always some guys who come in there and do just amazing in their, in their game. Uh, but I still feel like even with this system, people drifted towards those two games because you did have two shots as I know as Skyler like to often say two bites at the apple. So, I mean, that still exists. And so I, I will admit, I don't think it maybe had as big of an impact on which players were in the running 
week in and week out as maybe I had hoped, because I do really believe that, that there are single game week games that we should always look at. Uh, mm-hmm. But, and I was hoping that this could help, help make that uh, more visible. And I maybe didn't quite do what I had hoped it would, uh, but I'm fine with either, either system. Uh, but that's, yeah. that's one thing I would definitely say, I'll take a step back and be like, ah, I, I may not have been right about that. Yeah. Reed kind of that. I'm like, I'll, I'll start with, I'm biased because the single game week or the single score is my rule. James gave me permission to claim it as my rule. So it's the one I advocated for hard for a long time. And we finally got it in. And I like it because it does make single game week players viable. You, if you see a guy resting in the first of a double game week, then you've really got to choose. Do I want to try him for a sub in, see if he does well. Heel was that way a couple of times. We were kind of like, we're going to take him for the second game, but if he subs in and has a good score here, it's just, I feel like it's better for the player pool to do that. Now, I I miss the massive scores. I really do. And I know it's already been posted that teams are going to have, like, I think, a max of five double game weeks next year. Like, they're supposed to do that. If MLS can schedule the games in a way where we have maybe five or six or eight big double game weeks in the season – where we know we're going to be playing midweek and we're going to be playing weekend. I'm perfectly fine. If we've got a more level playing field for that. If every team's on a double game week, five weeks of the season to make sure we can get 34 games in per team. And you know, okay, we got five weeks where every single player has got two bites at the apple or can get an aggregate score. Let's do it. Like I have no problem with that because it balances it everybody gets the chance at it and you're not really making the decision of, Oh, am I doing this? Oh, am I doing that? But otherwise I like the single because it does bring in a lot of other players. You take a hot Carlos heel over some double game week midfielders. Absolutely. You do. And we saw that a lot. Mukhtar Mm -hmm. was the same way. You take a hot Mukhtar over some of the double game week players. Mm-hmm. defenders are your big one you're always going to take a double game week defender to get two bites at the apple that's just the way it goes but in the forward and i mean forwards we did that too two shots of getting a goal is better than one and not getting it but in the midfield we saw a lot more single game week like scoring actions i think is what we called it yeah yeah the new one scoring actions definitely but i it just i i think there's a there's a happy middle here. I do like the single game week scoring, but I think if the, if the scheduling changes were good with the going back to the old one, it's just too much variance. And I think if, if one of the things that I always hear with this is double game week, aggregate scoring makes D mids viable. I think that opens up another conversation not to have here, but we need to have a conversation about fixing D mids. Like if D mids are not viable, if we've got, one player per team, if we've got 20 to 30 players in the MLS pool of players that are not viable, we need to find a way to make them viable. I got ideas there if you're interested. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that's in the scope of this podcast. I think that's a behind the scenes with Skylar type of conversation to have. Like, okay. can we can we play test it a little bit? Can we throw out some ideas and see if we can make some changes? Can we get the provider to do this? I think there's a definite need to target D-mids. And one of the biggest defenses of aggregate scoring I tend to hear is it makes D-mids viable. And I don't, I think that's a different problem to solve outside of this. And 
I like this because it makes every player viable in a single game or in a double game week setting. Mm-hmm. Um, we always joked about it. I think it was Croala that, that told us it's one point, it's roughly 1.7 times your average on a double game week, meaning mm-hmm. you're, you're getting, you're getting about 85% of your, of your average points per game in this split scoring setup. So if you if heel is averaging 10, you're looking at eight, nine points per game. So he's going to come down just a little bit in the aggregate scoring. He, you, you take that every time in the single game. When you've got single game week, guys, 85 percent of your normal points in one game is not going to cut it. You're really hoping for a boom in one and just middling in the other. So I just, I like the single game. I like the split scoring, but I think if the schedule facilitates it, we can go back to the old rules easy enough. Yeah. I I think I'd be worried that if the schedule weren't like this in the future, that we've changed the rules to something that may not be, let's say we go back to having 12 or 15 double game weeks. Um, I, I wouldn't want to make a change that relies on something that is beyond fantasy to to go back to and i'll just be up front i'm really risk averse i'm a statistician who (laughs) likes (laughs) low variance things because they're easier to predict (laughs) and combine double game weeks to hit you know two hits that add together equals lots of variance and uh yeah so i just i i've always it doesn't fit my my play style. I'll just put it that way. So I, sorry, if Ryan. we change it back to that, I probably won't win anything. So maybe that's just... <laughs> this is my only shot at winning anything, though. <laughs> um, it's probably why I won something this time is because it this this uh, uh, risk averse uh, methodology is like I, I I play the percentages of things, and if the percentages are. Uh, not as variable all the time then i tend to win out in the long run but that's just that's just kind of the way i play so um, yeah but I, I i do think that there are some ways that we can very easily change the d mid scoring though and get that feature back while still keeping this style of of scoring in fact we could even make them like like what they were they were a safe play and that's why people chose them and there's a couple things that we can add that's already in the opta scoring um, that pretty much only benefits D-mids, goalkeepers, and defenders, which are honestly the three positions that need more points at this point in the uh, in the game. So I I think there's some there's some stuff that's viable out there that we can have that, like we said, like you know, best of both worlds kind of a kind of a thing. And of course, the go ahead, Skyler. No, I'm just going to chime in and just uh, add my thoughts here. I mean, I, that's all good stuff, and I I think for me, I've always been an advocate um just i've always been of the mindset that every action as he said should count every fancy point should count and i just think it's important important especially in a, a season-long format and i just i can't really think of any fancy game that um they don't count uh fancy points for certain games i'm not saying that mls needs to mimic like nfl fancy or nba fancy whatever but I mean, pretty much all of those games, every single game counts, every single point counts. And I just, I feel like that's important. I mean, I think, in a, I think that it's uh, part of the, uh, the fun of MLS fantasy is like you guys said, I mean, you have to, it's kind of a dynamic that you have to decide, is it worth 
playing a double game week player. Um, maybe like if it's only two teams on a double game week, then you've got a guy like Diego Chara who might score five points one game, six points the next game. Is that going to be worth uh, playing him over a guy like Carlos Hill, who, you know, 10 or 11 points, that's typically what you want out of him. And so I think that does make defensive midfielders uh, kind of brings them back into the equation a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm an advocate for it. I mean, you know, I, I feel like it adds excitement to the game and, you know, say like midweek, Hani Mukhtar scores 20 points. If you're just getting that one game then you're kind of like, uh, I'm happy with it, but I mean, come the weekend, then you'd love to see another 10 points on top of that. So um, like Ranch said, I mean, it just adds such a dynamic to just such a big swing in scoring that, you know, if you're looking to make a big jump, then that, that double game week score could really help do that. And it could really mix things up in the standings. And that's what I like about it. Yeah. And, and Scott was right that the conversation does change as we had in the past. If this was one of your first seasons playing, it's not necessarily, Oh, D mids are, are fantastic. I'm, I'm looking at maybe getting a more guaranteed 10 from this player. It's yeah. You're going to do that 10 from Dax McCarty, or am I going to go over here with, with Mukhtar and maybe, maybe he gets a three at one game and then a 14 in another one. So, I mean, there's, it's, it's not just that, that consistent that you're, we're talking more about ceilings at that time with a lot of players still. So, uh, but no, that's that's definitely a hot topic. So some pros and cons, both sides. Uh, if you have an opinion on hashtag the Blaine rule, feel free to uh, at him on on Twitter or send it to us uh, right here for at, at MLSFI. So uh, sometimes there. Let's move on to our next one. And we mentioned it some already fixed budgets or return to fixed budgets. Should we return to budgets? So the, the big advantage here is people talk about players having to make tough choices and some people thought that the the budgets grew too quickly didn't really pace with player prices and so easily before the middle of the season you were just able to build a team whatever it didn't matter you just threw players in uh would a fixed budget do that ashley what do you think yeah ride this one right in the middle um tyler mentioned this a little bit ago i i like a fixed budget because i also consider myself someone who does well kind of finding the not diamonds in the rough but like the off player right um and when you have a fixed budget it is so much harder to go chalk you it's almost impossible to have an entirely chalk team um because you can't afford them all right right um if we were at a fixed budget this year i think a lot of people's teams towards the end of the year would have would have not been able to exist um, so I think it, it does kind of add some diversity to team selection um, and things like that. But on that same token, it makes it not more interesting, but not having a fixed budget this year, I think was a little different because of how players went up in price, um, where they started, they just kind of, they changed it a little bit. Um, so I think it was less egregious. It, it w was for me more fun in the beginning to try to find that player who was going to price rise and stuff like that. And that doesn't continue through the whole season mm -hmm. um, when you don't have a fixed budget. And so, um, like I said, I, I think the, the scaled budget makes it easier to go chalk. Um, and that's just something that, that I like about having it. But at the same time, I'll complain immediately if we go back to it and I can't afford all the people that I want. And 
that's kind of, you know, you see it in EPL fantasy, you know, how they drop and rise players and like how much they cost. You couldn't chalk an EPL team to save your life, right? Like you can't put all those players on your team and still afford to play everybody. Um, so I think, you know, when we look at mimicking and then, you know, most NFL fantasy, it, it's not even really about price. It's just about positioning. Um, so I don't know. I think there's pros and cons to it either way. I do think that this year having it not fixed, it, it was a little better, um, in how players started and how they rose, but generally I prefer, um, kind of the intrigue of, of having to adapt to a fixed budget. And then even then, like I said, you can't even go chalk because there's seven chalky players and you can only afford four. So which, which ones do you, do you grab from? So I don't know. I go back and forth on what I like, but I, I do think I lean towards more the fixed budget, but I liked it. I liked the not fixed budget this year. I'm not as opinionated on either one. Um, I do think that, like you said, Ashley, it's, it was easier this year. Uh, and I think uh, if I remember correctly from the beginning of the year, a lot of the highest priced players that were maybe ending last season somewhere in the 13, 14 million were around 11 million or something like that this year. I think heel was only like 12 million or I don't remember what it was. It was lower. Let's just put it that way. So for the, everybody's first draft, at least. Um, you finished on 11.3. Okay, last year? Did, what did he start oh, at? Oh, last year? What, uh, what did everybody start at this year? That's, season change. He went up 1.8, so uh, yeah. 9.5. No. So that's yeah. that's the kind of thing where I'm talking about. Like We, we had even yeah. some of the best players were all priced lower than probably what they were going to be. And so it was almost guaranteed that everyone was going to get price rises and that it was easier to get those first few drafts in and then yeah after like week six there i didn't have to pay attention to it anymore yeah um so it made it easier i think for everyone to be able to get price rises and not have to focus so much on it even though i still did <laughs> uh but yeah i think it was easier this year uh, and so i don't really i i probably prefer that fixed budgets again in other words like you can find the hidden gems maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. but um it it it, it's fine with me, I guess. Yeah. I, I do want to uh, officially protest the uh, lack of the written algorithm for what player prices, uh, how yes. they change, because yes. the, the, the comparison would be, okay, this is a proprietary algorithm. That's fine, as long as it doesn't affect how my team's value changes. Um, Otherwise we can have, I mean, it was, it was written, it was complicated, but it was written out before where it would rise by 0.1 or 0.2 or whatever it was. The system set up where the, yeah. the change was determined by the average performance of players yeah. in that position that played over X minutes. And so you could, you could see it a little bit. Yeah. So I, I prefer either fixed budget and you can keep the proprietary algorithm however you want to, um, or even, and maybe we could be like DFS and actually put out price recommendation or like prices each you know week or go to a system where it's a clearly defined and clearly published algorithm for price changes and keep the uh, um, keep the, the variable budgets. That's yeah. Um, I'm, I'm team fixed budgets for one reason and one reason only. And I know Skylar has paid attention to this some. 
is I like the idea that any player can start at any given week and have a level playing field against the field. But I also want that to come with MLS prize support for the weekly game. Yes. That's I want, I want to see a hundred million or a, or a variable budget throughout the season. We can start at a hundred million and gra- and go up by half a million each week. Yeah. To adjust like for, for yeah. player pricing increases. We've got 27 weeks. You go up half a million each week. You're at 113 million by the end of the season with the 27 weeks we had this year. That's fair for me. Maybe you go up by a million each week and you just, you, the money goes, whatever. I want it fixed and i want mls to provide a weekly prize to the overall winner or winners maybe three prizes it could be people just want to win stuff and i I say this all the time it's like you could give away a 25 dollars gift card to the mls store to first place and then everybody who finishes top 10 for the round could get a 10 percent off coupon and a 10 percent off coupon is at least getting something we buy merch. We're fans. You can go buy a scarf. You can save two fifty on a scarf if you do that. Like it's a write off from the taxes. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's something. It doesn't matter if it's good, bad, or otherwise. It's something that you're giving away. And a ten percent off coupon is forcing people to spend money in your shop. Coupons are the best way to make money, in my <laughs> opinion, because you get people to come in and buy stuff they normally wouldn't buy. So it's a marketing scheme on top of that. But people feel like they won something. I buy a scarf every year. If I'm gonna, I could hold out and wait to see if I get top ten in a round rank to go get a, go get ten percent off my scarf that I'm gonna buy that year. It's whatever. I, but, but that's why I like fixed budget. Is it gives you a level yeah. playing field every week, and it gives an opportunity to tell people it's like, oh, you missed a week. Who cares? Go play for a weekly prize. Yeah. Let's promote some weekly prizes as well as the season long prizes. Let's give people a chance to go win something. A 10% off or a 25% off gift card is still more than not winning anything. And I'm I'm good with that. I don't mind the variable budget. I don't mind it growing. I do kind of hate how it's done in the current game that we have a budget after a few weeks that we don't even care what player prices are anymore. Mm-hmm. We're not looking at it. Uh, James is in chat with us. Uh, thank you, James, for being here. He said they talked about a sell-on fee. I would, I would honestly be happy with, okay, Vela gets his half million increase every week. So his player price is going to go up half a million. But you only get half of that in a budget increase. So he goes up by half a million. You get 250000 more to spend. So the players are going to accelerate faster than everybody else. It makes you make those choices. We don't get super inflated budgets to where we can afford everybody, but we are getting rewarded for making the right moves and getting guys that are going to get value increases. We just don't get the full value increase. So if everybody goes up, you can't afford anybody on your, everybody on your roster. Again, you got to go make some changes. Right. I just, I think managing our budget compared to where the players are. So we don't, we can't just afford whatever we want and not have to worry about budget anymore is good for the game. And I'm okay with it, but I prefer fixed budget because it's very new player friendly and it makes weekly prizes a lot more viable and you put everybody on a level playing field for weekly prizes. And I Mm -hmm. think that's the best way to grow the game. And my focus has been on more growing the game rather than what's the most competitive way to play the game. 
Can we get more Nathan Smiths? That's what I want. <laughs> I think that makes sense. It's definitely it's easier now with more teams and having more a larger player pool. That was one of my concerns early on. Was especially that was one of my concerns early on. Was will you have enough viable players to help fill some of those spots? And it's definitely easier now. I think you make I'll make good points about the management elements of that of having to think about how you spend your money i mean a a good middle ground from what everyone's been saying is maybe tie the increases to the the quarters of the champions league that it's you have 100 million at the beginning and then for quarter two you have 110 then 120 then i mean to sort of give a little bump to everyone as you as the players are rising maybe it's only 100 to 105 but that might be a way to try to give you a little bit extra cash to catch up with some of the player prices but still make it so you can't have Vela and Tati and Bo and Heel and Mukhtar and 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 all on your team. Any thoughts from you, Skyler? Yeah, I think uh, I mean I think everybody kind of hit on um, the best of both worlds there, and I'm kind of split too. I mean, I think uh, like Blaine said, I mean I think fixed budgets kind of help uh, help those out who jump in midseason and still want to play. And I also think that the the un, unwritten algorithm, pricing algorithm from this season kind of helps out in that aspect too, because people could still jump in and pretty much build a, a pretty solid team um, regardless, just with the way that the pricing was so swingy. Um, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of split down the middle on that too. And uh, I like Blaine's creativity there with the, the weekly prizes, uh, the, the coupons. I just checked MLSstore.com, Blaine, and they've got uh, – looks like they're running free shipping on orders over $29. So if you want some more <laughs> SKC gear there, get a scarf. On it. Get a scarf. Win. <laughs> Let's move on to our next uh, question. This one – is speaking directly to Ryan because Ryan wrote a little mini fantasy dissertation in response <laughs> to, to this question. And so I, I tried to, there's a lot of great stuff. So whenever you pass this on Skylar, you all can have fun dissecting all that. A lot of great information there. I tried to distill it down to a very, I mean, I probably didn't do it justice with this, but I sort of combined some of what I was thinking and you were thinking with this and you were talking about the availability of data and the ability for people to get access to data, player stats and, and sorting yeah. and, and viewing and all that. That's kind of how I lump this together with like dashboards and filters and UIs. And so I'm just going to kind of throw this over to you in general, Ryan, for other feedback that we got of people wanting to be able to have better access to data natively in the game, be that, mm-hmm. the, I mean, I'm a strong believer that every point generating action should be a, a filter in the yeah. game that that just period i think that should be it but that kind of mentality of people wanting more insight into how they pick players seemed to be uh, a lot of what you were saying so your general response to this yeah because i i'm the type of person that is happy to take the time to do all of that myself and gather the stats and whatever um uh 99% of other fantasy players are not going to do that though. <laughs> so um, I don't want just my openness and my coding abilities, I guess you could say to be the, the reason why I end up succeeding in some of this and other people aren't able to, I think, you know, if we can, if we can add more of those filters, if we add um, even some of the things like um, let's say we're, we're talking about a player on the pod here. And 
uh, we use the name Tati. The name Tati doesn't show up in fantasy anywhere. Um, and with the shortened names that appear, I think it's trying to be like built for mobile. Um, and I want to be able to know what the player's full name is so that I could actually reference him if somebody else has, has mentioned him. Um, but a few things like that, just being able to find um, players. And then uh, I, I have done this a couple of times where I have uh, put a player on my team. And then uh, later on, I decided to go search and, and sort by, let's say sort by ownership or something like that. And uh, I was like, huh, I don't see, I don't see heel anywhere in the ownership. I wonder where he's at in, at the level. And, uh, and then I realized, oh, he's on my team. That's why I can't find him. <laughs> or I think like I'm typing in the name wrong or something like that, but I realized, oh, he's already on my team. That's why I can't find him in any of the sort filter things. Um, so if you, that, my, my suggestions I say would range anywhere from tweaks like that. Just like, okay, change the color of the player that's already in your team instead of removing them from the list entirely um, to some of those wholesale, like let's add all of the filters in the world uh, <laughs> kind of suggestions. Um, that That's, I try to think if there's any other, uh, even like the ability, like captain selecting procedure that, that again might be considered a major change from a, I've done a bit of software dev. So I understand changing a functionality thing is going to be different than change the color of a item, you know? Um, and so I have oftentimes selected the wrong captain because it's, if it's only the person's first name and last name in a small font, uh, in a dropdown, it's really hard to tell which person is which. I think I selected Araujo instead of Arango one time, and I just caught it before, uh, before the lineups or before I, uh, you know, kind of finalize my team. Um, but yeah, just making it really easy for people to pick their captain, you know, maybe they select the person and then there's an, a button that says select as captain or something like that next to the remove team. Just a few, you know, uh, things that I think would make it easier, uh, prevent mistakes from people, um, maybe give more stats on the actual players themselves who are on the pitch. Um, I know, uh, it, I don't know of many other fantasy games that actually show the players in a, on a, like on a positional pitch kind of a thing. Um, most other fantasy games that I'm aware of have a player's name and then a list of stats <laughs> next to it. And uh, maybe it doesn't look as good, but uh, I think it, it becomes more helpful for the fantasy players that way. Um, and uh I think lastly, the ability to share your team. Uh, everybody in Discord pretty much uses a screen clipping tool <laughs> and uh, tries to clip their team somehow and paste it into a chat somewhere. Um, but I think if there was one feature that would be just really helpful for the community side of things, that's that extra ability. Can I press a button and it copies a picture of what I have? and doesn't do the, the sharing feature that we have currently kind of cuts off some players. It doesn't list uh, your budget. It doesn't, you know, anything like that. Um, and that's one that ev everybody that I know of pretty much uh, that wants to share their team, that's what they do. And I think that that would really help people share their team overall 
um, and and just remove one of those remove one of those things that is an annoyance, I think, for a lot of players. Um, can kind of take that step out and and make it more 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 of a smooth process, I guess, to to share a team. And I think that's what we need to do. Is we we all want to be able to you know share those types of things with other people, and hopefully spread the game more with that. Um, and I, I think I don't know how much of an effect that would be, but it certainly would it would it would be one of those things that would feel like less annoying um, about the game overall. Yeah, I agree with Ryan on this. Um, the stats are pretty much there. You can go into any player profile, which takes a couple of clicks to get to, which is there. And you can see their weekly stats. You can see the breakdown by whatever they've got, passes, key passes, um, yellow cards, whatever, big chances created. All of that's there. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, which nobody ever does, you can see a total on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love, I like, I mean, I don't mind the stats window the way it is. I love the stat screen where you click on it. It gives you all positions. It's sorted by like average. You can sort by percentage owned, which is not viable. You can sort by total points. I would love the option for uh, generic stats and a detailed stats and detailed to give you, even if it's season totals, I would love to see season totals that's on everybody's page displayed in one line so you can sort it by any one of those columns mm-hmm. just you want to see who's got the most passes okay go do it you want to see who's got the most um yeah. interceptions for because you're picking a defender go do it look at who's got the most interceptions look at who's got the most clearances just be being able to sort by those because they're already in the database it's only a ui issue on yeah. getting that to us to where we can sort by it and i'm playing NFL this year for the first time in about five years being able to go through and look at those in the NFL world is insanely helpful for me trying to get back into the game get up to speed I don't know what's going on I'm not a good NFL player I'm playing with the church league that I'm in there because I like the guys I'm playing with (laughs) and but it's been helpful for me to go in and find that type of thing Reed's always talking about the best bonus point producers on defense. These guys are getting the most bonus points every week. I want to just be able to go through and search. It may not tell me who's got the highest average, but I can go see who's got the most interceptions on the season or clearances Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then I can kind of make my decisions based on seeing those stats and you can sort by defenders too. So it's, it would be helpful. The information's there. I just want to be able to get to that. And I want to be able to compare every player with every other player rather than, oh, and I did it for tonight when we're going to talk about the MVP. I pulled up three different guys, season-long status, and I started looking at all the different numbers because I love dealing with stats when I talk about something like that. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to compare them a lot easier instead of having to have four windows open or four tabs open and look at each individual stat and then scroll through the entire screen of that. I just want to see the totals on one page. And I don't think that's too much to ask because this is already in a database. We've already got all of this there. It's just getting it displayed to the screen so everybody can see it in a quick manner. And I think that that part of the consideration probably for how the app was designed is mobile. And it does feel right now like a mobile first application um, in in that when you have, when you open up a player, it opens up in a new screen because that's how mobile does it is it would open up a player in a new 
you know, screen kind of a thing. Um, the relative, relatively few amount of stats available also feels like something that it works on mobile because that's as many as you can fit on a screen, uh, but it's not built for desktop as much. And that, so I think a lot of these choices were made intentionally, um, but in a way that it, it's, you know, it's supposed to be kind of like a, a good mobile game. And there's a lot of us that play on desktop. I think that that would really like the additional capabilities, like what we see, like Yahoo fantasy football mobile. Yeah. It's not as full featured, but you can still play the game decently well. But if you really want to go see more stats and stuff like that, then go to the desktop site and go check it out. You know yeah. um, the question is manageability of that then for people on the, on the back end because that probably takes more. I guess the question then becomes ultimately for Skylar, is that, is the availability of stats a uh, factor within MLS's ability to change or is that a fan duel limitation? Yeah. I mean, I think the, it's a conversation to be had with the, the game provider uh, fan hub. And I think, you know, for me, then I, I agree with you guys. Like I've, it's a stat driven game. So, I mean, even doing my rankings, I'm, I'm looking at, MLS cheat sheet. I'm looking at uh, Ryan's, you know, XG's clean sheet odds, everything, just trying to kind of get a feel for, you know, what edge can be had that week, um, what players in the best spot. And I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we're, that's basically the, the gist of the game is trying to figure out who's in the best spot. So, I mean, it's stat driven and you want to be able to look at the stats and make that decision quick and easy. And yeah, I mean, I agree right now, there's definitely some room for improvement on that. Um, and I think it is something that like Blaine mentioned, I mean, it's, it's there. It's just a matter of including it for everybody to see. And so for me, I mean, I'd love to see something like be able to pull up on a drop down box, like who has the most bonus, who's scored the most bonus points over the last, you know, three game weeks, that kind of thing and make some decisions based off of that. So like I said, I mean, I'm going to have that conversation um, with the team probably end of the season and talk a little bit more in depth on some of the feedback that everybody's provided, some of the feedback that, you know, even uh, the community's provided over the last uh, week or so from from your surveys, Reed. And I think some, hopefully some some things can be improved upon um, based off of that. And so I'm, I'm definitely going to vouch for it. And just a matter of if, if it's a possibility to, to make it happen and push it through. Bring back CBIs. That'll help defenders right there. Combine them all together. All right. So the final question from the survey before we get into just some quick rapid fire uh, fun questions to wrap everything up. Uh, the big one, the yearly one, have to bring it up, I guess. And that is, is it time for draft? Is it time for MLS to switch to or provide an alternative for draft fantasy? Uh, Blaine, I guess you have to start us off with this one. Yeah, as the resident draft expert-ish, um, yeah, I, I'm always going to promote draft. I love playing draft. I've got a couple of guys on the stream with me that have played in our draft league. Mixed results there, but it's it's always fun. It's always a thing. Draft is what Americans know from other sports. Yep. Draft is just it's, – it's a fun way to play. It's a more personal way to play. And I think MLS is way too late in trying to get to this. I think they need to offer it on their website. It doesn't even have to be prize supported. I think yeah. they need to offer it because the stats are there. The player scores are there. 
it's not too much, but if you can say, Hey, form a 10 or 12 person league and play a draft game on our website, drive people through the website and let them go. Honestly, I think you could facilitate draft into the regular fantasy game. Hey, I don't want to set my fantasy lineup, but I'm playing draft. Let's use my draft lineup for fantasy. You're yeah. almost always going to come in under budget. Just add my lineup. <laughs> That's good. I, it's, just, it's just the way the game works. I, I don't see why we wouldn't want to. It's advertising to more people. It's yeah. trying to draw in more players. Yeah. They're they're more personal. You can join random leagues, but I've never joined a random draft league that I've stuck with for more than half a season. You're always playing with friends, but you give people the option to go set up a league with 10 or 12 teams with their friends, bring them in, play against each other. You can only it can only be owned by one team. It's a lot of fun. It's just it's a very it can be as casual or as hardcore as you want it to be, depending on the group you're playing with. And I just think it's a good thing to have because it will bring people in. And I think if you've got people coming to your site just to do that, they're going to enter the inner lineup into the regular game to try to win some prizes too. Cause you're right there. It doesn't take too much longer to go, Oh, maybe I just want to put my team in and see how they do. Maybe I just want, maybe I want to try to compete over here, but you're there. It's not too much more time and effort to do it. So I think it's a good cross-promotional thing. It's a good way to bring in NFL guys who are trying to break into soccer. Yep. They're just, they know draft. They understand draft. They've got an NFL league. And that whole league can go, what are we going to do from January till September? Mm-hmm. Let's, try, let's try this MLS thing. Let's just see where you're, you're closing out with the Super Bowl the first week of February. All right, we're right in time to stay to pick an MLS team. Let's just all go through it. And if we get burned out, we're going to burn out around the time that NFL starts up again. But at least they've given it a try. It, it's just a good way to bring people in. And I think as a marketing strategy, as well as just another offering, it's, it'd just be helpful for the league in general to have. Yeah. And I'm not asking for a ton of stuff. I've volunteered, and Skylar, I'll say it in front of you again. I volunteered to give the draft rules we use over to MLS to help kind of build a framework for an automated system that can be done. The, the information's there. It's just giving it, giving us a platform to play on that uses the same scoring metrics that are already in the main game. Mm-hmm. You're not having to recreate the wheel. You're having to add in a waiver system, which isn't terribly hard and can be done pretty automated <clears throat> and go from there. I think it can be done with minimal cost, but I think you can try to open up and grab some other markets that aren't following this, that you can get some friend groups in that are going to say, we're going to play and we're going to try it out. And what you really want draft to do is to provide investment in the games. You get a bunch of NFL guys in the off season that are bored and want to try something new. They're going to start tuning into games that have their players in them. Mm-hmm. They're going to start watching. And the more eyes you can get on the game, the more fans you're going to convert. Because everybody Sorry. in America or the vast majority of Americans that like other sports say, oh, well, that's just such a boring game. Mm-hmm. You tie it in with fantasy. You get the excitement of seeing guys score goals. And all of a sudden they get hooked on what soccer is all about. And you just it just takes time to get them there. I've 
I've never taken a friend to a game that's not a soccer fan and had them walk out going, I don't think I can watch this again. They get hooked when they see it. You just got to get that hook in them to get them in there. And draft is a facilitator for that to try to steal some other markets because that's the system they know. They don't know our salary system. They don't know that what we're doing, but you give them draft, we can get them hooked into salary system after that. Mm-hmm. So our two Seattle Seattleers, Seattle Seattleites, Seattle Villians had uh, had some reactions to this question right off the top. So I think you all need to need to respond, Ashley. Did you have a, a strong reaction to the draft? The only thing I I visibly reacted to was when Blaine said and maybe replaced because I think you could not you can never replace it. What we're what current fantasy is in with a draft i think you would lose so many people but i think incorporate having the ability to incorporate a draft if it's possible for mls would be huge i think something that's very important while we all love and play this game to understand is that mls is only going to do what mls is able to do and we're watching them and uh, skylar please know that i'm not saying mls i'm like looking at you i just mean like <laughs> in general and I please know that that's not what I'm doing, but MLS is cutting positions and, you know, they're cutting funding to, to ask for the world and expect anything. I think it's fair to say what we would like to see change, but I think it's important to be realistic about it. And while I don't necessarily, I, I don't have the capability to, to give anything to MLS to make it easier for them to do draft. I would, pl- I would love to play it. I do it in EPL. I do a regular team and then I do a draft league with my friends. I love the concept of draft. And I think that Blaine hit the nail on the head with the fact that it's more personable, but I don't think for MLS's money, they're going to give a shit about personability. And I don't necessarily think that they need to. And so I think to have it incorporated in some way would be great, but it's got to be on the middle or low end of the like priority total pole when it comes to MLS fantasy, in my, in my opinion. And I say that as someone who, while I don't play for MLS, I do play it in other leagues and I enjoy it. I just don't think it's, it's a feasible ask. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I was over here. I'm like, hey, maybe we can convert since we already have the head to head thing, which is basically what draft is, is head to heads. And then you find the, be- the, the winner and score it and all that. We have the head to head. We have the scoring aspect. We can convert head to head to draft league not sure how much work that would be like overall but (laughs) but but it's it's a thought to throw out there like it could be something that's converted since you have the head-to-head aspect in there i bet the top 200 players would play it like if you're if you if this podcast who mostly speaks to players who play i bet most of the people in discord would do it for sure um but i don't know that that's a that's a priority or priority reflective of what we've seen MLS do in regards to MLS fantasy. I just, it would shock me if that was a priority. Those of you who are listening should jump onto YouTube now to, to see just the chat for this section, because people are throwing these things out and, and James is in the chat here being like, what's the ROI? Is it the league's responsibility? That's, like he's throwing all, exactly. all these business things. Meanwhile, I'm like, how do you, what do you call someone who's from Seattle? Seattle, <laughs> Seattleian, Seattle Lion. So it's, it's, you, this is this is this it's is close. the point of the it show. Is, you need to go to the chat and see it. It is Washingtonian. So you were you were getting there. Washingtonian, Seattleite. I'm looking. I'm looking more. Sound Soundurians. Soundurians. There he is. We found it. If you're from Seattle, you're a Soundurian. That's uh, that's what I, it is. I do think just 
really quickly here that um, from an ROI perspective, I, I get where James is coming from with this. Like we need to be able to prove that whatever changes happen, which are going to cost anybody anytime in MLS uh, are going to actually help with something on the bottom line. And I think eyeballs is probably what MLS really wants to go for in getting um, <clears throat> viewership because TV contracts are the biggest money makers for any, basically yeah. any um, sports league. So in my opinion, at least, uh, a lot of the catering that I feel that MLS is doing with their team names and things like that to European audiences um, it doesn't make any sense to me if we're trying to grow the game here and try to become the uh, not just the second most popular league uh, in the U.S. after Liga MX or whatever it is that we are. <laughs> um, and I think that getting a um, Americans and Canadians who are used to a draft league into MLS fantasy, excuse me, into MLS viewership, getting them to watching MLS games um, requires coming closer to them in, in, in what the fantasy game is doing. Um, that is one of the main ways that NFL viewership took off um, is because of fantasy uh, involvement. I started watching games that I would have never watched before that until I got you know into NFL fantasy, and so um, knew we would. I watch do them. think that that draft is is going to be a a major factor for the culture that we that we live in. Um, I don't know the numbers between DFS and draft, but this is way closer to DFS than it is to to draft at the moment. And I think to get in with the the current culture. Um, of fantasy in in us at least i believe that a draft will be a a major step in bringing more eyeballs to the mls game that's that's right weigh in on this one skylar are you ready for the fun stuff <laughs> i'll weigh in real quick i mean i, I love the, all those ideas i think for me um i'm kind of on the same in the same boat as ashley i just um i love the the draft format i play like i mentioned nba fantasy nfl fantasy I've been competitive in NBA fantasy for the past two years. I think I've won my $100 buy-in league, and I can't Ooh. tell you how many NBA games I've watched over the last couple of years. I, don't, I haven't watched one this season, I'll tell you that much. Um, and so I just kind of question, outside of the hardcore MLS fans, um, you know, what the engagement would be like after that first week or two, especially with a lack of prizes, unless people, you know, took it upon themselves and their private leagues to say, hey, so $25 buy-in, $100 buy-in, like I do with my buddies in NFL and NBA. Like I just, I, I, I don't see it with the MLS, um, but I do love the idea. I love the draft format and I would play it if it, if it, if it was a thing, but I'm just, I'm just not seeing it right now. Kind of like what James said, I'm not in the chat, but the, the ROI is probably the bottom line for MLS right now. And I'm just, it's not there. So mm -hmm. maybe the fun thing would be to have actually embedded um, promotion relegation leagues that people could could manage maybe maybe that's yeah, the, the cool yeah. thing for us yeah. are you going there in season long read i am no for uh for next year i guess that's sort of the the one of the things i'm working on is uh mls fantasy boston mls fantasy insider may be or I'm, I'm looking at some logistics of rolling out sort of a, a pro rel league bay three three 
head to heads or three systems that would look at uh, how you finish within the league to move up and down through that. So maybe incorporate, I don't know if I'm going to incorporate the experts league in that, or if, if that's going to be the, the premier league with it or, or not, but uh, I'm, I'm looking to that. I think that could be a fun way to, to keep some uh, consistency and longevity and turnover and, and uh, some fun stuff, maybe like some of the show league people used to, used to have, but yeah, I think that could be, be kind of fun. I have different opinions yeah. on, on I love it. IRL, but uh, for, for fantasy, I think it could be fun. All right, well, let's get on to the fun stuff. These are some superlatives, our own little version of the, the end of year awards that the MLS has, but also some fun little stats from Ryan. He, he's talked about how he loves the stats and you've got a few little gems for us that you'd like to share, don't you? Yeah. So I, I went through every single dream team and I didn't have enough time to find out every single player on the dream team and like count up how many, that was too much for me. Um, but what I did was I looked at captains for the dream teams and I, I was interested to see whether there was a huge amount of variation, uh, in, in the positions and, um, let's say who had the most times that they were dream team captains. So, um, there were three players who were dream team captain twice. Can you guys guess what those three players are? You have any guesses? Oh, Lord. You? Aranga is one of them. No and no. Kishirito? Mokhtar? Nobody's hit it yet. Wow. Taddy? No. Jack Price? <laughs> is it going to be three defenders because we've had a few defenders that have dropped some 20s on us yeah. so, uh, so nope nobody's hit him yet so we've got Gonzalo Higuain no way he had twice. Yep, no he had no twice. no he had twice Lucas Zelarayan oh Ola Kamara no 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 the third one nobody's going to get is Christian Dahomey Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like I was just that like, wait, he was he was the captain of the dream team twice, but I was like, yeah, that's right. Cause he yeah. I felt like somebody had him one of those weeks. I'm just like, sure. why did you I guess I guess he's good? Uh Vancouver had uh the most um there are three teams that had the most dream team captains. So Vancouver had uh three to home at times two, and then Brian White was yeah. a captain one time. Uh Nashville had uh, Sapong, Mukhtar, and Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. And then Columbus had uh, two times Zellerayan, and then Mensa actually was the captain uh, one time. Always Captain Mensa, remember? That, <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you guys mention? De- defenders and um, forwards had the least number. I guess, okay, goalkeepers had the least number of dream team captains with zero, uh, which is one of the things that I wanted to to address with, like, we need to increase goalkeeper scoring. Uh, But uh, uh, defenders and midfielders each had 10 captains on the dream team, and then forwards had seven. Um, So I was like, wait, defenders were that high? But when you think about it, you know, you get a defender that has a goal and a clean sheet, and they're automatically, you know, way up there. Yeah. Um, and no, then uh, what was that? Oh, I was gonna say, like you're talking defenders. I remember one week where Tolkien just absolutely blew up, and I don't yeah. know if he's one of them or not. And then Mamadou Fall from LAFC yep. also blew up at one point, like that clean sheet plus a goal. And there's some guys that have done that that have been crazy. Yeah, you know who it was that he earned a PK and scored it, and he was on Miami. 
Oh, McCoon. Uh, he no, he actually. I don't. I don't think. Did he, he not was, get it that that week? I don't remember seeing him in my list. No, I had him on that week too. I was I so have hyped. The spreadsheet up. I was so uh, hyped when he got that. I, I think not he finished on sixteen anyway. or seventeen. Okay. No, I I think that was. That, that was probably the week when like Kellen that, got like an 18 and just was like, where did he come yeah, from? <laughs> like Tolkien or Ferreira or something like that. I'm the, gonna go uh, find it. I'll I'll be right back. The oh, highest I found it. You found <laughs> 21. it. 21. 21. Uh Alan Franco Alan just Franco went beast got it. mode yep. there. <laughs> yep. Speaking McCune of which was the, the second highest, third highest. Oh, okay. High. Okay. So speaking of which, um Alan Franco is one of the three um highest weekly point scores of any player out there with 42 points as a captain i guess that would have been 21 points what were the other two do you think say that again there uh alan franco had the highest points weekly for a player with 21 and so i'm wondering there are two other players that are tied with him can you guess what they are not counting uh well it has to be captains this, that's before I, the this is only captains. Yeah. I he was only 21 before captains. a captain. Yeah. yeah, so I got 42. Kyle yeah, this kid only be captains. Did Fall hit a 21 at one point? I know yep. he was close. Week 19, he hit it. It wasn't Tolkien, I know that much. No, it was a forward. I think it was Higuain, didn't it? Yep, it yeah. was Higuain. Big week six. 25. Yep. Did Arango hit one? Uh, he did not. Uh, he he hit a 20, couple 20-something. Right? Yeah, I think. He hit a, he hit a 19. He was the captain in 24 with uh, 19 points. Um, And then there were a few weeks that had the lowest points for a dream team score. Uh, No, actually week 10, uh, Aliceda from Chicago got 17 points. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like nobody had him, but nobody had anybody in week 10. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, we had um, only 14 points for a captain uh, 28 total. Um, Iguain in week one, Ariaga in week five, Duncan in week eight, and then CJ Sapong in uh, week 16. Wow. So those are just some, I was just like, I've never looked at dream teams and like actually figured out like who had the most, but I think it's one of those interesting things that the, you see a lot of defenders pop up on this list as you may not be able to guess which one is going to do it, but you're going to have a defender that pops off at some point in the week. It's just like they, they're they going to score, score one goal the entire season, and it's going to be when they get a clean sheet as well, and it's just everybody's it, – it's going to be crazy. Um, I think I captained a defender twice this year. Each time they got a clean sheet, so I wasn't upset. <laughs> That's bold move. Bold move, my friend. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to do some of our little superlatives uh, for our our Defender oh. of the Year, Goalkeeper of the Year, and MVP. Oh, did you have another one? Oh, I, ha- I had the other one, which is the uh, top five. Oh, sorry, uh, I thought they got expected sorry, no. points. No, no that's no, right. No, 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 so no, no, this ahead, is just ahead. expected points across the entire season. Um, and my defenders in mids, I assumed to have a 25% chance of a clean sheet as my across the board, like because I didn't want to, like, say oh they were on this team and then go figure out what their actual chance of green cheap that was too much i will only do so much for this podcast uh no. <laughs> 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 um, but no i so i had um obviously number one let's just start with midfielders number one's gonna be you 
Carlos Hill. There you go. 8.3 points, expected points. Um, and that's this is looking at um, expected goals and assists and uh, bonus point combination, also with key passes. And there was another one as well. Um, so it technically Process. doesn't include like yellow cards because who's looking at those unless you're looking at yellow card warnings. Um, we got Reynoso then mm-hmm. at 7.3 and then Maxi Morales at 7.1. Huh. Um, and this is per game. This is not per, um, this is not overall. <laughs> and then uh, Ryan Gold came in fourth. He got up to seven expected points per, uh, per uh, by minutes at least per game. And then unexpectedly, I think, Gressel. I think he made a big run near the end is Sebastian Blanco. Mm. He got six oh, yeah, points. He did come in at the end. Yeah. Um, and then uh, forwards we had, I'm going to go from the bottom, Kyoto, Arango, Gustavo Bo, Carlos Vela for the minutes that he played <laughs> at least. <laughs> and then. That's an asterisk. Really unexpected. He played even fewer minutes than Carlos Vela, but the minutes that he did play, he got just muco points. Who do you think? Wando. Because he went. I, I was going to say plays for a terrible team, and Wando did play for a terrible team. Uh, no, it's not Wando. It was a forward that played kind of a playmaker role. Uh, Ferreira. No. No. No, but that's a good guess. Darwin Quintero uh, scored seven. Wow. He he was the equivalent of like a Ryan Gold or a Maxi Morales in, in expected points. Um, yeah, that was a surprising one for me. That's that's crazy because I was I'm I was kind of going through your stats list or for average fantasy points. And you I think you said he'll had eight point three expected points, and yep. his average in MLS was eight point two five. Yeah, and he was the closest to hitting it. Um, everybody else starts dropping off. But it's crazy. What do you have Arango as for his expected points? 6.4. See, because he scored 8.47 as his average. Like massively. He scored way above what he was supposed to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That's yeah, yeah, that was beyond that. But that's crazy. I love that stat. Defender of the year, though, Nathan. What? Oh, not yet. We're not there. We're gonna all yell it out. We're doing the thing for for defender of the year, goalkeeper of the year, and MVP. We're all going to just say it at the same time. That's that's what Tyler wanted to do. He thought it'd be fun. But before we get there, so let's do newcomer of the year first. Uh, We don't we don't have to shout shout this one. I'll just go down the lineup, Tyler. I'm gonna go with uh, the fun name Gwald. Gold. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Gold. Blaine. Yeah, I went Arango. I just. You can't get a guy that scores that many goals in that short of a span and not give it to him. Ashley. Yeah, Chicho. I think, I mean, when you lose Rossi and Villa and you still get a guy like that, it's just too fun to not. Ryan. I did not get him in draft and I was really bummed, but Chicho Rango, that was, I was like, you got to pick a forward for LAFC because he's going to score goals. And he did. And he just, goal would be a second for me, though. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah, it's got to be Arango. I mean, his his body of work speaks for itself. He's kind of kind of like a, a Vela replacement down the stretch for for fantasy players. And I will say that I think uh, Slonina from Chicago deserves a shout because he was awesome when he came in. He's talking about mm-hmm. a seventeen year old goalkeeper that actually you know kept Chicago in some games there down the stretch. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to be a fun one for next year. 
All right, let's get, and, and I agree, Arango right there. Let's go on to uh, under the radar player of the year. Uh, we'll start with Blaine. Yeah, I kind of, I threw this one out there. It's kind of like that 8 million and below player, that guy that was cheap that we didn't expect to do well that just came on. And mine's Brian White. It just, we didn't, nobody expected him at the start of the season to do what he did, playing behind Cavallini. It just, he just showed up in such a big way and just carried it through late in the season and became kind of one of those almost mainstays that we were always talking about or always considering for our team. And to go from being a guy that you think is going to be a depth option that's never going to play to a regular hitter is huge for me. Skyler. Uh, I think it was, uh, it might've been Tyler that mentioned him, but Gold for me, I mean, his ownership percentage was just super low throughout the season, even though he was consistently hitting, you know, seven, eight points, just serviceable scores. He wasn't really ever coming through with anything that was uh, a game changer, but he's just super consistent. I was always kind of keeping an eye out for him just to try to plug him in. So it was gold for me. Ryan. I'm going to say uh, a player that didn't play that much and he got injured and did a lot of uh, um, international duty uh Romel Kyoto whenever I had him on my team he did pretty darn well uh again limited minutes but whenever he was on the team he just he just he just did really well um a forward taking things like free kicks and corners it, it just mm-hmm. ended up working out really well Ashley yeah I mine is a little out there but for me it's Albert Rusnak he was four points off mm-hmm. being the highest pointed player in fantasy and I feel like we didn't even maybe this is a knock on us I feel like we didn't even say his name until halfway through the season. Hmm. And I, he was a little mixture of like tons of points, no points. Um, but when you had him and he hit, I, I mean, he, he hit hard. I hear the gold one for sure. I think that he probably was the most underrated because he was so consistent, but Rusnak just quietly had a banger fantasy year. And I think that that's just really impressive, especially for, how RSL was kind of spreading points around and going from doing well to doing bad. And so, yeah, that was just really impressive to me. Tyler. I'm going to go with Jesus Ferreira. Um, He was like, he's that player that no one really picked up. He was very, very rarely ever drafted from what I saw, but I had him on my draft team. So of course I'm seeing his score every week. This dude was putting up like consistent sevens every single week as a forward. And it was, like, really impressive to see. He actually finished in, like, the top uh, 20 or 30 scores in all players. And he didn't even play the first, I think, five or six games. He was sixth in my uh, expected points rankings for forwards. Yeah, he's up there. Uh, I fall in between that that Gold and Rusnak uh, for the same reasons. Like Gold, I, I think was the one that just no one really even had on their radar and kind of came up. Uh, but I, I think I did. I did ultimately settle on Rusnak for a lot of what Ashley was saying. Of that, he had that slow start, had that battle with with Krylock back and forth at the beginning, and then he ends up being third overall. And you're like, wait a minute, I know this guy's good, but it, it seemed like that we were always saying, well, does he make that top five? Does he do that? And he should have. Uh, so maybe four points off Honey Mukhtar, yeah. and there was a point where we said that Mukhtar was undroppable. Like, there was a whole stretch of the year where we were like, doesn't matter, fixture-proof. And again, I think if we went back and counted the times we said Rusnak, it was probably like 18 times. Yeah. And it was four points off him. Crazy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So now we're doing the one, two, three, and then say it at the same time because Tyler thought it'd be fun. So we'll see if it is. Uh, he wanted the chaos at the end of the show. So I hope everyone appreciates this. Uh, so our pick for this, I'll go one, two, three, and then we say it. So our pick for fantasy defender of the year. One, two, three. Nate Wagner. Hoopman. Uh, Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, know, over the great. place. <laughs> yeah, we love that. So we got some Wagners. We got, I, I said Goopman. What else do we have? I got a Fontas here. Fontas. Well, of course you would. No, no, no. Um, I can actually no, defend no, that. No, um, no, we don't need to defend it. We all can just. All right, Max. <laughs> oh, that's right. I think we got some. I think we had some all good fun. With that. <laughs> that's the guy with all the sporting KC gear in the background. <laughs> okay, you guys can't. You guys can't. Oh, no, we know what league Skyler's going so, for next year. I I ran through some of the numbers. Fontas had a single score of two and a single score of three as his two lowest scores on the year. Mm-hmm. When you got a defender giving you four plus every other game besides two that he played, he missed a couple of games in there with injuries or yellow cards or whatever. But when you've got a single two and a single three, that justifies it right there. You're getting two extra points per game just to roll with him every week. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go with uh, goalkeeper of the year. Three, two, one Willis, Willis. Joe Willis. Turner. <laughs> yeah, I, really, I couldn't remember really his name. Okay. Yeah, no, this one was really tough for me. I mean, a lot of the goalkeepers just yeah. just so close and and how what they perform and he had international call-ups and stuff. But I mean, Willis was just so consistent. Turner's another great call that I ended up slotting slotting in a lot, but he he missed a chunk of the season as well with yeah. some of those call-ups. So I think. Cornell is also was a really oh, underrated a good shout. Yeah, uh, Yarbrough, defense wasn't as good, but he still you know hit pretty well through through points. I feel like he wasn't a huge clean sheet producer, and that was you know we talk we pick him up occasionally, but he wasn't anyone's like consistent pick. That makes sense, and yeah. but he still put in a, a good. He tends to be like like that keeperoo. You're like, I'm going to go with, hey, it worked out, fantastic. Let's yeah. let's go. Yeah. On if if else. we take out clean sheets, though, I think what what I said was, I think Crapo was the best goalkeeper. If we take out all clean sheets from everybody, I think, yeah. If you take out clean sheets, it's Crapo. Uh, Yarbrough had yeah. almost an identical season to Willis. Yeah, if, slightly if you better take out- average, one less game played. Like it was yeah. insane. And then I got to throw out there. My shot was Blake, which probably got lost, but he had the best average of any goalkeeper. Yeah. I mean, if, when if he, was playing, he was hands down the best, but he missed so many games for internationals yeah. that his numbers just stayed lower. If you take out clean sheets, you're really only looking at recoveries because that's all that really comes down to what significantly yeah. changes the keeper's stats at the end of the game. No, the the a day, bad so. team where he gets a lot more saves, like Vancouver early in the season. No, if, if you look at, at least in the past, maybe Ryan can break it down again for next year, but if you look at in the past, it's it's always been recoveries as really the only stat that you could look at. Like, that's what's going to help me. I mean, everything else just gets in the wash because they're all playing. Pretty much all, all the starters are playing the same minutes. The clean sheets are going to keep are too inconsistent, but like statistically significant differences, it's, it tends to be recoveries it's in the past. It was. If Stuver didn't come back to the mean, he would have been my goalkeeper. The regression. Yeah. Yeah. Goalkeepers, the, uh, the, it is home, whether or not they're playing at home. That's the first thing. Yeah. Uh, opponents expected goals against which is weird like how how bad is their defense and that says how good your goalkeeper is going to be pressure recoveries is the third one there we go so, yeah yeah and everything else is yeah she's a newer terrible. one and then yeah the home yeah 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 so yeah it's all 
solve that. And, and the week? final one, the final question, the final fun one, three, two, one. This is the fantasy MVP. So three, two, one. Mukhtar. Mukhtar. Someone said heel. Mukhtar and heel. <laughs> Someone said heel. <laughs> heel, had for, heel first half of the season. Mukhtar, the rest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just like to be different. I said Bo. Um, no. <laughs> no. No. If you've got to take somebody, I think he, when you get all things. Most valuable fantasy player. I think all things, considered, all, all things considered, we had enough top end mids between Mukhtar, Reynoso, Rusnak, Barco, if I'm, if I'm picking a Ford, it's Toddy over Bo for, for yeah, an MVP. I will, I but, will say okay, Toddy over Bo. Every- I, did, I did the numbers, and Bo's final score came in, but he had very few twos and threes. He was getting those it's scores. Not, it's not about, for me, it's not about your, final, your final score. I'm talking about my fantasy MVP, and if I'm looking at a Ford, I'd rather look at a Ford that's going to be much more consistent mm-hmm. in giving me bonus point-producing stats than, than And Bo. that's what I say. But yeah. you got to, okay, but... I, t- I agree with you that bonus points are big, but Tati tripled or quadrupled the number of twos that Bo had. Bo's twos and threes were very were few and far between. He was get he got you a few, but he was getting fours most weeks. If you can tell me you can take a premium forward that's going to get you four every week or most weeks compared to a guy who may get you two or may get you seven. So, but you're just talking about Bo versus Tati. I'm talking about Honey Mukhtar or Heel to Bo. You can't, I, it's right. not even the same conversation. You're talking about Bo's going to make assistant four, except that I'm yeah. going you, to have you heel have instead. To, you have to take <laughs> at least one forward every week. And I think that MVP, average with so MVP much MVP is any position. MVP, most yeah. valuable fantasy player. I've, I've got a value right. over replacement. How many manager. weeks were, was Bo in your lineup, Blaine? Yeah, <laughs> a bunch you until have a bunch? heel got hurt. <laughs> I had so Bo then if you got hurt and you drop Bo, then heals your MVP. <laughs> You're just so again, to... if if you don't like the Blaine rule at Blaine, if you don't yeah. think Bo should be MVP at Blaine, basically, if you're frustrated about anything from the show tonight at Blaine, <laughs> it will be funny. It will be, be hey, funny. Controversy uh, sells. I'll I'll give you the I'll give you the hot takes and do okay. it. So the only reason I said Mukhtar was the MVP over heel was because I very rarely had heel on my team. And I still finish in the top fifty. Like I, I just didn't like having heel and didn't like captaining him. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Whatever and, works for you. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to us tonight. Twenty twenty one was a fantastic season. It sounds like we're going to have some good stuff to look forward to for twenty twenty two. We'll do some quick plugs right here. But again, if you haven't already, please go check out mlsfantasyboss.com to check to do the survey. It's the top article right now to give some more feedback that will go to MLS. Uh, and then we had a question in chat as far as what to look forward to with MLS Fantasy Insider. We will have our usual East and West preview before the season starts. And depending on how much uh, lead time there is for the game next year, we might be able to do uh, a version of the primer and our articles that come out as well at Fantasy Boss. So, uh, but and also check out the Discord. That's that's going to be a, a hop in place as usual. So mine was first this week, but let's just go around the, the chart here. Uh, so Tyler, any plugs? No, I'm good. Ashley. Yeah, I got, uh, got Seattleites, Seattle Philippines. There we go. Uh, Dempsey Ryan. Yeah, uh, Twitter at MLS Fantasy Stats. Um, 
And then hit me up and let me know what you'd like for next season from, from me. Uh, of course, depending on what ends up coming out in the, the game next season, maybe there'll be more stats there, you know. Uh, but fun. yeah, just let me know what you want and uh, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do to, to build it. And, and uh, depending on my time, although the season is starting earlier next year, so that'll be a cramp on my time, but uh, hit Blaine. me up with what you want. Oh, sorry. Blaine. Yeah, I got to give a big shout out to Aaron Rachel's uh, Otis Buster 2 on Discord. Uh, beat me in the final for the draft league. I'll always hype up draft league. Uh, absolutely crushed me in the last game. Everybody he had went off. It was glorious. I think it was like a 90 to 50 beat down. Like, you don't, yeah. When you take a beat down like that, you just got to acknowledge it. But big shout out to Aaron for winning the MLS Cup or the Cup in our draft league big thing and then just a big shout out to our mls crew i know skyler's here and james was in chat tonight mm-hmm. uh, this game couldn't be what it was without them and even though james isn't with mls he's still a part of the community and skyler's going to be with us for a long time i know and just a huge thank you to those guys uh the game wouldn't be what it is without them and just appreciate those two and skyler yeah um no, I've, just, I've got to plug the MLS Fantasy Elite League that I've run the past couple of years. It's basically like a private uh, cash league, I guess you could say, $25 buy-in. And we've had some heavy hitters in there the past couple of years. It's uh, super competitive, a lot of fun. So I've got to give a shout-out to Garth Butchers. One at, um, I think he's in Discord. I know a yeah, couple yeah. of other a handful of other guys, several guys from Discord, Max Foray. Um, Loon Juice X Ward was up there uh, most of the season, so um, it was a lot of fun. I've got some prizes coming your way, guys. I've, uh, those hopefully will go out this week. I've been pretty busy, kind of closing out everything with MLS and everything, but um, finally got some time to jump on that. And yeah, hopefully we'll run it back again next year. So kind of keep an eye out for that. If anybody wasn't involved this season, um, should be running it back again next year. And then, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on again, Reed. And thanks for obviously everything that you do. I mean, it's a huge part of uh, what keeps the community going. Um, just the show every week, Blaine, Ashley, all the guests. I mean, all of you guys, everybody's does their part. Like I said earlier, just the entire community kind of coming together, doing their thing. And so, I mean, even, you know, Ryan, your, your bit of clean sheet info that I'm hounding before while I'm doing my rankings, uh, all that's helpful. Ranch, you over there in my ear, like, hey, man, you got to add this guy. This dude's missing. <laughs> this is a huge asset, man. Everybody coming together. I love it. So keep on doing what you're doing, guys, and we'll, we'll keep this thing running. Yeah, thank you so much, everybody. And, of course, the last one I wanted to say is uh, we have to give a special thanks to Ashley, who joined us this season as our new co-host with MLS hey. Fantasy Insider, came in, replaced Mike. It's been uh, so fun having you and to thank to your family for letting you you do all this and and all the fun stuff so all the ups and downs fans. big fans of the show those two guys it's been and they've got some swag to show off now so yeah, they do. Uh, we can have that so uh, as far as I know the three of us will be back next year but I just want to give point that out that Ashley's been been great having you uh, in addition to to the team and uh, being a, such a visible part of the community for so long so Thank you so much, everyone, for listening tonight. Again, it's been a great 2021, and 2022 is just around the corner. Happy holidays to everyone. Be safe and enjoy MLS Cup. And, of course, what could I end the show without saying? Good luck. Mm-hmm.